0: You're listening to Women in Wealth WordPress, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of female empowerment and financial freedom through the wonderful world of web design. Today, we're going to be talking about the consultant mindset, which I love the idea of and I'm very intrigued by and I'm really interested to know more myself. Part of this podcast is like very selfish and that I get to talk to cool people and (laughs) and things. So I love it. Can you just explain what the consultant mindset means to you and what it means like as a creative and how it differs from just being a service provider? Yes, I
1: can. I think I might start with a story on that actually, because it's how I, it's not a, it's not a really interesting story, but it is a story (laughs) and it's really, I suppose, about how I recognize the difference. Yeah. So when I worked in agency. So that's my background. I worked in studios. And I suppose reasonably early on, I went from being design into brand strategy. And I had developed a strategy, a brand strategy for quite a big corporate. I was in Sydney at the time, and it was all prepared. And look, the usual approach was someone more senior than me would ultimately then lead that presentation to the Mm. client. And that was often the way it worked. But on this one (laughs) occasion, my boss was like, oh, Becky, you're going to lead today. You're going to present. And I was like, oh, okay. Just out of the blue. Yeah, yeah." (laughs) which is totally fair because it was my work, but it was unexpected. And his piece of advice to me was the thing that has always stuck with me through everything else from that point forward was when you present – Just remember, you're there as the expert and you're there to have authority, to recommend, to tell them why this is what you think they should do. Mm -hmm. Don't go in with this with confidence. So what he was telling me is there's something in the way you hold yourself and the way you behave with the client, which is part of being a consultant and which is part of, to use a cheesy phrase, like flipping the script with them in how they see you and how Mm. they respond to what you're telling them. You could be telling them something really amazing, but if you deliver it in an apologetic way or in a way Mm. that feels like you're not confident in it, they probably won't share that confidence either. So it was a completely different way for me of thinking about how I presented. As a junior designer, you'd think, I've done all these options and I'll just go and see which one they like. Yeah, But actually it was about being much more firm. So that was how it started for me in terms of leaning into what I now refer to as the consultant mindset.
0: I love that. And yeah, I was just thinking as you're saying that it's like, you know, you could do really great work. Yeah. But if you present it not in a great way, they're not going to love it. Or you could do mediocre work and it comes down to almost like marketing it to them. And yeah, I see that on Instagram as well, like with the people I follow who I really love. It's not necessarily about the logo that they're showing. It's like how they describe the meaning behind it and how they got to that result and all of that type of stuff so I really resonate with that that's so great that you had a mentor that kind of took that time to do that with you and trust you and give you that opportunity
1: yeah it's the story behind it and it's the reason for doing it and that's why it amazes me and I even asked the question recently and I talk about it a fair bit when creatives don't present their work in person because you lose all the opportunity to have that authority. That's probably where I was for the longest period of my career. And I definitely learned mm. a lot about that person on a different way to behave. It was more of a boutique agency. It wasn't a yeah. really big one. You can get really, as a designer or any creative, you can get a bit lost yeah. in the big agencies early on. So it was more boutique. And I definitely felt like I had lots of opportunities to do things that maybe I wouldn't have had at that level, at the level I was at. And I was thrown into Mm -hmm. a lot more things. And I think that has served me well in my business as a whole, because now I'm very much give it a go and see what happens. I don't get intimidated by a big project. I don't get intimidated by something that's a bit outside of my wheelhouse. I never have those kind of worries. And I think it was because Mm. it was always like, let's just, I'm going to throw you in and see how things go.
0: That's so great, especially as a young designer. And I think, yeah, a lot of it is confidence, but confidence only comes through doing it. And then once you've done enough things, like you say, that you haven't done before and you've conquered them and you've done them, that just adds to the confidence in all other areas, even with things that you haven't done before. So it's like the thing of feel the fear and do it anyway. I've definitely experienced that in my business. And I, same as you, I've got to the point where now I'm like, okay. I haven't done that, but I can do it. Let me figure out how to do it. And yeah, just figuring it out and muddling through and learning as you go. There's a lot to be said about that.
1: Absolutely. And I think as well, we can spend so much time getting all the processes in place and, oh, this is the way I'm going to work. This is my client questionnaire. This mm-hmm. is the brief template. This is my onboarding process. Like so much time in the prep and not just throw yourself in and just give it a go and see how things evolve because things will always change yeah so if you spend too much time like navel gazing and not just getting on with it and trying it suck it and see as they say yeah I think you can just spend there's a lot of time Mm. wasted doing that
0: procrastination and preparation and that you just have to do the thing like MVP I I say that to the women in my course don't spend too much time on something if you're there spending an hour on one section, like move on, just leave it and come back to it. Sometimes you need space from something to think about it. Sometimes no one else is going to see all of that time you've spent and all of that time you've wasted. They're just going to see it as a whole. So like you yeah. just need to get it done sometimes. There's a lot of power in that for sure.
1: I had a client and she used to say JFDI, which was just effing do it. I love that.
0: You can say <laughs> fucking on this
1: one. I swear <laughs> all the time.
0: There Yeah. Yeah. I've had this idea floating around in my head for the last few days and it's just get your shit together and I'm like I need to do something with that because I looked it up on Instagram and I'm like it's not even a handle yet what can I make this into because sometimes I feel like I need to just get my shit together and I'm like I could I love just like motivating myself and motivating other people so I'm like maybe I should just make a fun Instagram of swearing at people (laughs) getting them to do things. Maybe I move away from the woman wealth and just do something like follow my bliss a little bit. I think that's really important sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So in your experience, how has adopting this kind of different mindset added value to your career and your business? And what are some of the benefits you've seen? And particularly, I guess now that you're a freelance, I would love to know like how that's translated for you.
1: Oh, it's a huge difference. I think that certainly even coming out of agency. So I worked up in agency up until just before I had my kids, which was 11 years ago. And so coming out of agency and into my own business, initially, I definitely had a bit of maybe to some extent, a loss of confidence as a creative, just took whatever work came up, saw myself as just the doer, the service provider. But I quickly realized and remembered my brilliant mentor and knew that wasn't Mm. working for me. Being the yes person in my agency, the yes person to my clients, wasn't productive. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my well-being. And actually, it isn't good for the client either. No. So in terms of adopting that consultant mindset, having that view of the world or having a view of the relationship with the client that I'm the creative leader mm-hmm. that I'm there to recommend to them that I'm an authority yeah that I don't have to say yes to everything that I can challenge the feedback because that's the essence that you're there as a peer not as a it's not a master and servant yeah. relationship
0: they've hired you for a purpose yeah
1: exactly and I think to some extent when you don't Step up and be an authority and lead the client, you're letting them down a little bit as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You'll know when you're not doing it because the client will start to try and take control. That's the red flag. When the client starts to try and design it for you, direct you, starts sending you Pinterest screen grabs of how it should be, Mm. or starts to try and dictate the way the process should run then that you're not being, you're not in the consultant mindset mm. because the client is seeing a gap who's leading this yeah. and they'll go, I'm going to step into the gap. So that's the red flag. But the benefits would be for me, obviously premium pricing. Yeah. When you have that air of authority in what you do, then people will recommend you in a certain way. You know, that's the person mm-hmm. you need to speak to because they're going to solve this problem for you. So you, of course, raise your demand and therefore you can command premium pricing, that's a positive, that you really hang on to your creative integrity. So that's so important for me as a designer. I was never in it to just go, I'm the pixel pusher that just responds to the client what they want. If I see a brief that's like, well, I really want it to be read. And I don't like X, Y, Z, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Because if we're already having directive, creative conversations, it's the wrong Mm -hmm. conversation. Because i want to be proud of the creative Mm. outcome. I'm not just here to mold the creative outcome that the client is trying to find. So that's a big one for me. You have better client relationships.
0: Yeah. When you're proud of your work and they're trusting you, you come out of that project and you're like, not only is it a good outcome, I have a good memory about the process and I would work with them again. And if they sent someone else my way, I would Trust their referral and all those types of things because it's not just they're sending someone to me, I'm going to take them. It's like you have to love who you're working with as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's about well being, mm. isn't it? I would be lying if I said that every project is perfect, every client is perfect. Yeah. I'm never going to say that's yeah. the case. But having a good quality experience and enjoying the process with the client is a really important part of well being and feeling like you want to keep mm. on doing it. And I think when it's a real equal partnership and when you feel like you've got that position of leadership in a respectful way, it makes for a much better experience. And therefore, it's better for you. It's better for your mental health. Yeah,
0: I did read your bio and you mentioned that you help freelancers thrive in business, keep their sanity and their creative mojo. And I think that can be something that falls down in this industry. Like people talk about burnout and people talk about not being inspired and all those types of things. Like when you're doing work that you're proud of, that you can't wait to add to your portfolio, that is more rewarding. And I can say this now because I've gone through and I've made, I've had a $300,000 year. I've I've had times where I've made a lot of money. And at the time you're like, "Woo!" like when you book a project or when you hit that number, that's not what you remember six months down the track. What you remember is that project. I have clients who are three years into business now and they're logo and their branding is like continuing to grow with their business and support their business. And I'm still working with them and I'm still talking to them. And I love that relationship that I've built with them. I just have one this week that I had a meeting with. I'm really proud of that. That's a tangible thing that it's just a really beautiful feeling, I think.
1: Yeah. And those ongoing relationships with the clients, So I always think of a client relationship that go, it goes way beyond the end of the mm. project. Unless they were a pain in the bum. In which case yeah. you just <laughs> kiss them goodbye. But hopefully they yeah. weren't because you established and you cultivated that good relationship. And most importantly, they then become your referrers. Yep. And Whilst none of us in uh, this industry want to rely on referrals, that's always a problematic place Mm. to be. Getting great referrals is one of the most lucrative things Mm -hmm. you can have, because if you get a great referral from someone who was a great client, chances are the people they're sending to you will be of a similar, you know, like-minded type Mm -hmm. people. And obviously it costs a lot less. It costs a lot less financially, but also in terms of your personal output to get a referral than it does to go out and look for new new cold clients. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. In terms of getting new clients, I'm going through this at the moment where I had someone find me through a website that I was listed as like a, a tech expert for this product. And I'm like, I've actually never used that product before. I didn't list my business on their website. So they must've done that themselves. And I had a meeting with this client and I was like, this is weird. And he wasn't my dream client. Even when he booked a meeting, he didn't fill in my form properly. And I emailed him and I was like, just letting you know, I don't work with that product. I work with this. I'm happy to have a chat. And yeah, so many red flags. And then he didn't proceed. And I was like, that was such a waste of time. I should have never, <laughs> I'm going to ask that company to take my first, when I found about it, I was like, "Oh, that's a great backlink. But now I'm like, they're not my dream client. I need to get rid of that because that was just a big waste of my time. Whereas on the flip side, I had someone email me this week and they were like, when's your next available appointment? Reserve it for me. I'm going to do brand and website. I've booked in a call with you. We'll just at the call to confirm which package I'm going to go with. I've downloaded your pricing. They've followed me. They've seen my stuff. So yeah, it's the thing of when you get those ideal clients, everything flows so much better, but you have to, there's so much going through it to learn what you do and don't need. And it's always changing. And yeah, like your process is always changing and there's just, there's never an end point, right? Like you're always growing. So that was a bit of a tangent.
1: No, in something, there's something really important in what you said. And I've actually got a client at the moment and we're working through it. Things, number one, things do evolve in Mm -hmm. your business. And that's cool because I think there's so much out there. There's so much noise out there about, oh, you've got to create this perfect business. Mm. And that perfect business looks like only working with your dream yeah. clients and only doing your dream projects. Yep. And yes, that's Great. the goal. yes <laughs> But I think there's too much of that permeates people in the early days of their yeah. business. And when I say early days, I'm talking first five yeah. years, because fact of the matter is you will take the shitty clients yep. and it's a-okay to do that because you've also got to make a living Mm -hmm. around that you've got to set your boundaries and you've got to protect yourself but sometimes you will take the work that isn't in your perfect industry Mm. that you want to work in and sometimes you might compromise a little bit on the scope and what you're willing to offer because you're starting out and I think there's just too much pressure to go we're all out here creating our dream business and our dream life And then there's somehow this sense of I'm failing because I had a client that was pooey or I took that work and it wasn't my perfect kind of project that I really want to do. And there's like some shame in that. I agree with that so hard.
0: There's so much talk about red flag clients and turning away clients and all of these things. and. It's, it is a hard one because I have had clients who threw up a few red flags, but they ended up being like dream projects. I have had clients who I was unsure about, and then they were perfect. And then the other way I've had onboardings that went like a dream, but then the actual project went completely sideways. So you can't predict it. And at the end of the day, you need to work on your own shit and how you handle that. And a lot of the time it is guiding them through it and being like, okay, let's get this back on track. And figuring out how to do that in a way that's respectful and that will still end up with the best outcome. And sometimes it's giving people grace. Like there's a lot of talk of, oh, clients haven't gotten me this, clients haven't gotten me feedback. Where in your project management do you need to improve to get that from them in a timely manner? Or do you just need to be a human and be like, okay, they're having a tough week. What's going on? Maybe they didn't see my email. Maybe do I need to just give them a call? There's sometimes you can just get on a phone or get on a Zoom. Yeah, it would be a dream if we never had to talk to anyone, if we didn't have any meetings, if every project went great, if everyone paid on time, if there was no red flags, but it's just not the reality of running a business. And there's a lot of people glamorizing. That's not the case, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Who is turning away work? Mm in the early days of their business when they're not paying the bills. Yeah. Don't feel bad for taking the work because it's a learning experience. It puts money in your bank account mm. and it will inform your portfolio. There's lots of good things about it, so don't feel bad about it. But coming back to the consultant mindset, part of that is taking responsibility. Yeah, like Part of the co- consultant mindset is it's about taking responsibility. Part of that is I hear so many creatives bitching and moaning about the quality of the creative brief. And actually, as a creative, you are partly maybe more responsible Mm -hmm. for the quality of the brief, because you need to be asking really good questions, you need to put yourself in the position to push back and challenge if there are gaps, then it's your job to help the client fill those gaps. So taking ownership of some of the things, like you said, take ownership, if the client's confused, or they're going outside of your process there's a good chance that actually that's maybe your on you and you didn't set the boundary yep. or absolutely absolutely so for me that's a the consultant mindset's a good thing about taking leadership taking control being really confident in your creative product but it's also about taking responsibility mm,
0: I resonate with that a lot I have these thoughts a lot so I'm glad we're discussing it you mentioned that i guess it can help you command a higher price point, make more money and elevate the perceived value of their work. I think doing that it can be really challenging to get to that level. So, it might feel like hard for designers to make that switch from designer to leader. So, how do you get them how do you encourage people to work on that and build that confidence and yeah, change their own mindset?
1: Look, I think the first thing is about how you see yourself and how you see the client. And I think there's a lot of Again, chatter, particularly if you've come from an agency background, it's very much about putting the client on a pedestal. Mm. There's things that people say, the but, client's yeah, always right, or they're paying the bill. I literally couldn't agree yeah. with that. <laughs> they are, they're paying your, for your expertise. Yeah. And so if you don't give them that, then it's going to fall over on day one. Mm. And the client isn't always right. The client doesn't always know what the solution is or what the outcome should be. So I think that's the first thing is to recognize that's not the case. That is not the nature of the relationship. You're not entering into a servitude type of relationship. If the client wants that kind of relationship, then coming back to the red flags, that's a valid and genuine red flag. If someone brings you a logo that they scribbled on a napkin and they just wanted you to reproduce that in Canva, then, <laughs> you know, I think that's a red flag. Yeah. But I think that's the first thing is to really recognize that what is the right dynamic in the relationship and to put yourself into that leadership position and to recognize that's what the client wants from you too.
0: And it's what they need to build a successful business.
1: Absolutely. It's absolutely. And if they're going out there investing in something, I think they deserve the respect of getting an authoritative response Mm. back. Someone who's going to really bring the value. If they feel like they've got to then manhandle the project to success, they've got to guide you. They've got to do all the heavy lifting. And I think the other thing is going and reneging on everything I said in the beginning is I think a really important part of feeling good about your your value and stepping into that consultant mindset is starting to develop confidence in your process and your Mm. product. So for me, I think it's a really valid thing to work on your creative process, to Mm. have that reliable, those reliable steps that you go back to every time that you take the project through, you take the client through, lead you to almost an inevitable outcome. So if you treat every project like, okay, blank sheet of paper, where the hell do I start? Then that doesn't build confidence. That doesn't give you that sense of authority. But if you've got a really clear methodology that works for you, And you document it and you build on it and you keep...
0: Improving it.
1: Crafting it. it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it also, it just reduces the mental load of, okay, what do I do next? What do I... Like you can spend that mental load on the creative piece, which is, I say this to my clients, branding takes a piece of my soul every time that (laughs) the designing piece, it's always okay, something's wrong and I can't figure out what it is and I need, you need to take time away. And I always say to my clients, because I normally do brand and website, the branding piece is the hardest and I'll give you a timeline, but to get that first design, it sometimes cannot be adhered to because you can't, the creative part is the one part you can't rush. It's a little bit hard, but the steps before that, the getting to that, the pulling out the strategic words from the brief the research, the reading between the lines of their mood boards that they've given you and figuring out, okay, what is it that you like, but what is it that you actually need for your business? Those are specific repeatable steps, but the getting that into a logo, that's the hard part. But I think when you have all of those steps laid out, You'll get through it every time you get through it if you refer back to those other strategic parts that you've done in the start. Processes are such a game changer, I think, in any business. And like you say, documenting them, having checklists, I couldn't operate my business without that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think it's what you say is really interesting because I've had a few conversations recently about just designing one concept. And it fascinates me me because I don't think I will ever do it. I'm not against (laughs) it. If it works for you, do it. But it just I don't think I've subscribed yeah. to it. And I'm not even sure I can articulate exactly why, but it's just not yeah. for me. And I think it lends itself to something that has been an important learning in my business, is that there's probably one strategic overarching direction mm. that you need to go into. There's a core business problem and there are some core problems around brand that you mm-hmm. need to fix, which might be around positioning and how you elevate your value. So The strategic problem and solution is probably a Mm -hmm. one thing. I agree with that. Well, here's different options for you around your strategy. That's a one thing. But by its nature, creativity is, there's lots of ways into how you solve that strategic problem. Mm -hmm. And so I think by giving the client multiple options, and I'm not talking like here's your six options, go and go away and and do a beauty parade and ask for your friend. (laughs) Two, possibly three ways into that, I think is productive because I don't think there's one answer to the strategic yeah. problem. And I actually don't think there's merit in only leaning into Exploring one, one answer
0: to Yeah, that. I agree with that because I think sometimes you go in different, like you might go in multiple different directions and then you refine multiple branches into one. But if you just went with one from the start, how would that ever be explored to its fullest potential?
1: And I'm so interested because the proponents of the one concept idea I can never quite get from them how many revisions they then end up doing Mm. to that one concept and does it ever does the final output actually end up looking much like the first concept they put forward is it just a slightly different and perhaps more glamorous way of talking about the same thing which is creativity is iterative and it will be an iterative process and you'd be naive to think it's not and do you find
0: sometimes, this is like, again, going off the consultant mindset track, but when you give logos to clients or like I do two options as well, when you give them to them, do you go, okay, this is the one they're going to choose and then then choose the other one
1: that happens to me really all the time? Oh, that is so yeah. interesting. Do you know what? I'm so interested in the psychology of this. And again, to be boring about it, I think it comes back to my agency background because we would spend so much time going, which direction do we think would be the strongest and we want them to choose? You would never present options that aren't viable. That's my number one rule. I I wouldn't present anything I don't want them to go with. It's always going to be, in your mind, the winner. Mm -hmm. So we would go through what order should we present them in? Should we present the strongest one first? Mm -hmm. So they start on this wow high and then put all the other ones afterwards so their their memory is like in that first reaction when they saw that first concept it's so into all the, the psychology yeah <laughs> so we do spend so much time thinking about that but i think it is very interesting around i do usually have a bit of an intuition about which one they're going to choose and part of the consultant mindset coming back to that is i always go into i used to go into a presentation thinking oh which one will they choose? Which of these mm-hmm. two or three are they going to go with? But mm. now I always make a decision about what I'm going to recommend before I go into it, because nine times out of the ten, the client asks, and if they yeah. ask, and you're Which not ready you with your with? answer, yeah, exactly. They're like, "Which one do you think is right? Which one do you recommend for me?" So I think having that argument ready is really important. But not even yeah. waiting to be asked, I think every creative presentation should end with a recommendation.
0: That's definitely something I need to it work is. on. I think I definitely, like you say anything I present I'd be like either option you choose I would recommend for your business and so I think that's where I've been coming from but I do think recently I had a project and I was like this is the one The strategy behind the meaning behind it is so strong and then they chose the other one but then when I explained to her I really thought you were going to choose this one because of this and she's oh now that you say that I see it and I'm like I should have started with that so this is the thing like I'm I'm thinking through my process now and being like okay what can I do differently so this is so valuable.
1: Yeah. I was just going to ask if you always present in person?
0: I don't actually and this is one thing that I have been thinking about because I have always just <laughs> sent by email and I put all of my methodology in about I recently went through a process with someone it wasn't on it wasn't in person it was via zoom which is a lot of our things are these days but uh, she presented her whole pack and then I went through and it was like it was very interesting to me because it was basically just reading out what the presentation was and I was like in some ways I find this a waste of time but then we got to the end and the person was like yep done signed off and I was like That was such an interesting experience to me. I think I need to start doing this.
1: (laughs) Look, I try and avoid shoulds, right? I try and avoid saying this is what you should do in your business. Yeah. But presenting in person. And when I say in person, I never, it's just not even a thing to put your outside clothes on. It's on Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't mean getting out of the house and going anywhere. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but it's like that's a no for me. Well, you want me to go out. Um, yeah. but I mean presenting like in live eyeballing yeah. you, taking you through it. Yeah. That is if I had to choose the one thing that I think should be a non-negotiable for creatives, it's that. Because it ties right back into the consultant mindset. I think you get the opportunity to talk about the rationale behind your work. Yeah. Yeah. Because what happens when someone sends you a quote? What do you do? You go straight to the last page and see how much it is. Yeah. When you send your design work over, regardless of how much time you've spent recording that Loom video explaining to them all of your rationale, I guarantee they will just go straight to the designs. To the primary they'll logo, get everybody yeah. who's willing to listen to vote. And yeah. then they'll overthink it for a while. They'll jump on Pinterest and get some other ideas, and then you'll get all of that in their response where and you'll never know what their initial thoughts were or what their gut reaction was you'll get everything that went on when you weren't there contribute to the narrative
0: I love that. For me,
1: presenting a person's got so many benefits. You get yeah. to get the client's initial reaction because I very often lean back to that. You'll get a gut reaction and then someone will start overthinking. They're Oh, but maybe that's a bit too risky for me. Or maybe that's a bit <laughs> out there. And they'll start to overthink it. And you go, but remember when you first saw it? Bring them back. Because yeah. I was there. I saw it. I saw you. Yeah. And I'm like, remember that because that's the important thing. Don't yep. over-rationalize it. Yep. So there's getting that in the moment response as well, which I think is important. And I think it contributes to the perception of you because perception yeah. as a creative is everything. They see you as a confident authority who's there to talk about their work in a very decisive way.
0: I'm a fan, mate. I am a fan. It's actually funny because this is something that I've been thinking about in my business like lately. So this is very timely to me. Yeah, I love it. Okay. So how do you think people get to that? Do you have any training available or how do you recommend people that work on this piece?
1: Look, I definitely think that it's, part of it is about making some decisions and The biggest thing that I think you can do for yourself in your business around the consultant mindset, and we talked about flipping the script about where you see yourself in the relationship with the client and having your process is important. But I think as well, it's just making some decisions around your boundaries is a really good start. And for me, I think that is deciding that you're not going to compromise on your process. Like I don't compromise on the way I do things. I always Mm. used to get these questions. Oh, I just want the design bit. So can we just skip the brand strategy? Mm. Or I'll do that. You tell me what you need to know and I'll send you so I'll tell you what my brand strategy is. Sometimes that used to get into my head and I'll be like, oh okay, maybe I can let them do that bit. Now I'm just like, mm-hmm. no. That this is my process. If that's not for you, I'm not the designer for you. So there's some boundaries around how you want to behave with your client. There's some boundaries around how much time you give them to make decisions. There are boundaries around hmm. how many rounds of subjective revisions you're willing to take or how much you're going to let the client direct this and control the narrative and control the outcome. So a big thing for me is about setting those boundaries and then deciding to stick with them. Yeah. And I had a really interesting conversation on, I won't say the T word, On a thread, and also in, had a a conversation with a client about what do I do when someone asks me to drop my prices? You've only got three options. You can either say yes, you can reduce the scope in line with the price drop. So there's like a quid Mm -hmm. pro quo. You can say okay, I'm I I really want this project, so I'm willing to Mm -hmm. drop my prices. I'll, I'll leave this bit out, or you say no, and only you can make that choice you've got to set your yeah. own boundaries. So I think that for me is the biggest part of the consultant mindset is just deciding that's who you're going to be. It's a decision. I, I could have gone into that presentation that day and gone, Oh, I'm a bit nervous and I don't know what to say. And here it is. And what do you think? Mm. But instead I decided, no, that's who I am today. I'm a consultant mm. and I'm here to be the authority. So that's, that's simple. it.
0: Yeah, I definitely had that. It's actually funny because early in my business, I did have people ask me to discount my prices and I did it a couple of times and I always hated those projects. And then I made this decision at one point and I just started saying to myself, no, I do not discount my pricing. And it's funny, like no one's asked me since then. I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for mindset and working on that and then backing it. And like you make a decision, you make behaviors that reinforce that decision and then you come to believe it yourself so like it's a cycle of building that confidence and it's just going through it and doing the thing yeah
1: Yeah. look and being self-aware that's why I refer to it as the consultant mindset because it is a behavior but it's a behavior that's fed by a mindset by seeing Mm. yourself in a certain way and part of mindset is being self-aware isn't it knowing when you not uphold or not stick to your intention so I've got a client and she always says, hopefully, oh, hopefully that they'll choose that one. Or oh, hopefully, yeah. oh. I'm, like, I'm banning the word hopefully from your vocabulary. It's being self-aware of the things that you do. I had another client, she was like, oh, I don't want to do live discovery calls. I don't want to do in-person discovery calls because I'll probably end up committing to something that I didn't want to do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but be self-aware. That's something you might do. Yeah. And, If you're not self-aware of it, then yeah, there's a good chance you'll slip into it. But if you go into the call going, I am not going to submit to a price reduction here and now, submit to a scope reduction. Yeah. Know that that might come up and know what your response is going to be, which is, yeah, no worries, Mm -hmm. I'll get back to you in an email after this call or whatever works for you. So awareness of where your consultant mindset might wobble and then being prepared. So being prepared, for example, with the recommendation in going into this presentation, I know which one I'm going to bat for. So it's a bit Mm. of preparation as well.
0: Definitely. And I think that kind of leads into my next question, because as you were saying that a lot of it's around language and I find myself doing this in emails. I'm like, take out the just popping into your emails to say, have you paid that invoice yet? No, it's reminder, this invoice was due three days ago. Please let me know when you've made payment. Like just fucking change the way you talk about things. And I think a lot of this is coming back to us as women and like just how we grew up. And I see that changing now. I see that in the younger generation. So much is changing and it's fucking so empowering to me. I love it. But how do you feel being a woman has influenced your business journey?
1: It's so interesting, isn't it? The idea of being apologetic and not wanting to Big yourself up in some ways. I will answer the question, but I will also just quickly say I shared something recently which was the phrase pride before a fall. I don't know if you know that that phrase. No, I haven't heard it. So it's like a is it a proverb? I think it's a proverb. And it's something I used to hear a lot as a kid. Pride before a fall means when you show off, you're gonna fall flat on your face. Uh, So when you're like, oh look at me, look what I achieved. Chances mm. are not long after that, you're going to fail and then you're going to feel Something stupid. Something bad going to happen. So yep. yeah, it's like an old fashioned phrase, which is basically keep yourself small. Shut up. Small, Don't talk about your yep. achievements. Yeah, It's shameful to, to, to talk about your successes. And so I shared that with my kids, I always say to them, I'm proud of you. But I also say to them, are you proud of yourself? Because it's fucking okay to feel proud of yourself. It's mm. okay to talk about your achievements. I think it's something that I want them to feel good about doing where, to your point, I think as women, sometimes we're a bit apologetic about our successes yeah. and don't want to do that. So that's been a thing, yeah. definitely a thing for me is not wanting to talk myself up too much. And that has been a big mm. journey and a process of getting more comfortable with that or being comfortable with, yeah. that I've got something of value to share. And it's not showing off by sharing it. And people will self-select. They'll either want to listen to you or they won't. And that's okay. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing. And celebrating
0: your successes. And yeah, like this is such a nourishing chapter. (laughs) Absolutely. That's been a big, I've never heard that (laughs) saying, but that has been a big, like vibe in my life. And I actually, in my course, I talk a lot about money mindset and money story and all of these types of things. And one thing like at the moment, like I live in my dream house and I've done really well in my life. And I'm really proud of that because I've come from nothing. And for a long time, I had this feeling of like, when's the other shoe going to drop? When's, or when's, I don't know, what's the saying? When does the penny drop or whatever it is, something's bad is going to happen. Like I just have this feeling sometimes yeah, well, like I'll losing- having a good day. And then I just get this anxiety. Like, yeah. And so much of that, like you say, is self-awareness, recognizing it and being like, no, it's not another, this is another thing. Like it's not intuition. It's anxiety. <laughs> recognizing it's this old belief and this old fear that I need to fucking let go of and change that somehow, whether it's through journaling or just recognizing it and then thinking something else and going about my day. Like, yeah. And yeah, same with my house and like sharing where I am and where I'm at. I think there is a lot to be said for doing that because then other people can see that it's doable and achievable and they can aspire to that as well. So I think we almost have an obligation to do that as women. Like yeah, to for other women to do go. It in a
1: respectful way and do it do it in a, a brave way, way or encouraging yeah. way. Exactly right. I think the other thing for me as a mum is being intentional with my time. The mm. time is really precious to me and yeah. time with my kids. I'm not someone who's sitting down on the floor and playing Barbie all day. That's literally. But having... (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I was never that mum. I could sometimes bring myself to build some Lego because I didn't mind that as a creative artist. (laughs) Being intentional with my time is is something I think is part of being a woman in business, but something I continue to struggle with every day is how to spread and use my time the Mm. best way. But also for me, I don't know if it's true for many other women, I feel like it perhaps is that... When I, again, going back to my corporate life, I was pretty confident in that life. I knew who I was. I was getting out there. I just had such a clear vision of what I was going to do. And then I never thought, if someone had asked me at that point, do you ever think you would lose your confidence? I'd be like, huh? What? No way. Yeah. Having my kids was, I totally lost my confidence. So that was a big thing for me, how I get that back and work through why is that? why do I feel like this? Why do I suddenly feel more self-conscious? Why do I have this feeling that I've got nothing to contribute? And going through that process and coming out of that, I think I would reflect and say, maybe that has made me better now for having needed to reflect on that. It's a process and it's tough when you suddenly go, oh, I feel like a fish out of water now.
0: Motherhood's such a trip. (laughs) I
1: could talk about this one all day, but...
0: Yeah, and I'm still really in the trenches. How old are your kids now?
1: They're 11 and 10. Okay, cool.
0: So you have so had time to a, come through that.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like they are definitely, it's a reasonably good age. Like they're actually very entertaining people. My son's got this wicked sense of humour. They're oh, actually quite so nice cool. to be around. They're also yeah. shits a lot of them, yeah. but in, not in a terrible way. Yeah. <laughs> but my kids are less than a year apart.
0: Yeah, that's really I close.
1: I was like very close, like yeah. right in the trenches but yeah, it's definitely not, for me, not all roses. Yeah, that's for
0: sure, definitely. I'm in the same boat. Okay. <laughs> I actually, I have to get off because I have another call at 10, which is, I time this so badly, but thank you so much for joining me. This has been such a timely and wonderful chat. I've had just a blast talking to you, but can you please tell everyone like where to find you and how to work with you and connect with you and what you offer online?
1: So you can find me on Instagram and sometimes I also show up on Facebook (laughs) at rare at Beck Hughes branding. So that's where you can find me. And I talk a lot about being a creative in business. That's really my Mm. thing. So my website is just beckhughes.com. I work one-on-one in branding. I still have my brand agency, which is important to me because I think being there and doing it At the same time as talking to others Mm. about how to do it is an important thing for me. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I still love being a brand consultant, but I also work with other creatives as well. Yeah. In a mentoring and coaching way. Yeah,
0: amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. I will see you on the gram. And yeah, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks, Nikki. I've loved our chat so, so much.
0: If you love what I do here, let's connect. I tend to hang out on Instagram and you can find me at Seedling Digital and at Woman Wealth WordPress. You can head to womanwealthwordpress.com to download my free Embrace Your Dream Life workbook. This guide is over 10 pages of actionable information and worksheets designed to help you build a profitable and fulfilling business in three steps. Get clear on your why, improve your money mindset, and hone in on your messaging. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a rating and a review. It truly means the world to me and I read every message and kind word. Till next time, aim big.